0: Pray. Amen. Amen. When you turn in your Bibles uh, to Hebrews 10, we're going to start with verse 19. Go all the way through verse 25. If you don't have a copy of your scripture for yourself, there's one in the back of the chairs there, a black one like this. And you can turn to page 1016, 1016 in that, that copy and follow along with us if you would as we look at the subject of house rules. My mother growing up Didn't have a lot of rules in our house, but one she had for sure was you were going to be in church on Sunday morning. You could stay out late on Saturday night if you wanted to with your friends, and we did, and we did some things that we needed to to make sure we were in church the next next morning to repent of and to deal with. And so we know that full well. She always made sure that we were in church raising four kids, three of them boys, uh, by herself in a single-parent family. It was crucial. And we were in church. I've been in church all my life. Some of you have. Some of you have not. But I have to consider it. And when I left home the first semester in college at Howard Payne in Brownwood was the first time I went on my own. And frankly, I didn't go a lot. The most I ever missed church was that one semester in Brownwood at a Baptist school. I went about four or five times the whole semester and not in Brownwood. So we're talking about less than half the time when I've been going all my life. I had to decide. Do you realize there are 120 million people before all of this COVID hit on Sunday mornings in this country that go to church? 120 million. That Just to put that in a little perspective, it's more than all the professional sporting events, uh, attendance at those events. In one year. And that happens every week. Why? Have you stopped to consider? Now I know you're here today and you think, why are you talking to me about why I come to church? Because I want us to review and remember why we're in this place. And I want us to look at this passage in, in Hebrews to remind us of that. A lot of us have come because of habit or because of some sense of duty or some guilt that comes into our our lives, but even if our parents aren't still living, that they would expect us to be here. But we don't want that to be the reason, do we? We want to be prepared for our life mission. And we want to participate in the family of God. So as we begin, I just want to remind you that the church is not this building. That, that the church, as we look at it today, is not an event like a worship service. But the church is a family, the family of God. And so I want to remind us because I want us to share this with other folks. How do we behave in a family? And so as we look at this together today, I just want to to give you a little context to this passage in Hebrews as we begin. The whole book of Hebrews is about how Jesus is greater. He's greater than everything in the Old Testament. And so the writer of Hebrews writes it to, to Jewish Christians who just come out of Judaism into Christianity. And they had this, all, this background, and he reminds them that Jesus is greater than the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's greater than the, than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the law. He's greater than the angels. He's the greatest. Jesus is the greatest. And based upon all of that... It, We come to verse 19, the therefore or the the so what. And it's a bridge between the rest of Hebrews and and how to apply that uh, to our lives. And so as we think about that, it's the the immediate context of these verses we're going to look at is that Jesus died once and for all, for all who would turn uh, their lives over to him. Verse 10 of chapter 10 uh, says it this way. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once. For all time. What an amazing event took place on the cross. He took your place, my place, everyone's place. Who's ever lived? Who's ever going to live? He took our sin. He became sin for us. We looked at that last week. And now, based upon that, therefore, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word and let's dive into this. Why we come to church? Why I come to church? And we'll look at some reasons here. And so, or therefore, dear brothers and sisters, in verse 19, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, And good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. As some do. But encourage one another. Especially now that the day of His return. Is drawing near. Father. I pray for an anointing from Your Word. That would would prick our hearts. would show us. The great value. The great benefit the great privilege, the greatest privilege of life belonging to your family. Jesus, we thank you so much for dying for the church, for all, but for the church who receives and accepts what you've done. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for creating us to be a part of your family. And Lord, we ask that you would Show us how to be good family members in these moments. How to walk in your truth. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. amen. You may be seated. We'll look at this a little closer, so keep your Bibles open, if you would. I, I think sometimes we do church in this day a little different than we did when I was growing up, and some of you can identify with this. We, we, we do church more in our culture. Now, remember, I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s, so I'm old, you know, a little bit older. Not older than all of you, but uh, same age as some of you, and some, a little younger than some others, and, and a lot older than a lot of folks. But, and In and my day, and you can identify with this, I hope, You remember, we were there every week. We had perfect attendance awards in Sunday school. Anybody remember those days? You're just showing your age, you know, as we think about the, We we did that. One reason was we we couldn't afford to go anywhere. (laughs) We didn't do a whole lot on Sunday besides go to church. You remember? As our culture has become more and more affluent, we've seen church develop into sort of a hobby like a lot of other hobbies. We just do that if we don't have anything better to do. Now, why would I say that to a group of people who are here a lot, almost all the time? Or why would I say it? Because I know sometimes we all have this tendency, and I do too, even as the preacher, Jennifer, has to remind me, you've got to go. You're the pastor. And so we, we have this tendency to think, I don't necessarily want to go to church today. I don't feel real good. Or I and if you feel sick, please Please don't come, and I know some of you watching online, that's the reason right now you're just cautious about this virus, and we understand that. We're going to love you when you come back. We just want you to come back at some point because there's certain benefits that cannot take place apart from gathering, meeting together. And so here's some things I want us to look at when the writer of the book of Hebrews, and by the way, we don't know exactly who that is throughout history. A lot of people have attributed it to the Apostle Paul, but others would say, no, it's not the same kind of writing that Paul writes. It's not really his style. So there's still a mystery about who writes the book of Hebrews, but whoever it is knows a lot about who Jesus is and how great he is and his purpose is to promote that. And then when we look at, at what he's doing here, his purpose in writing this particular hymn section in the, in the book of Hebrews is to remind us of what is already available to us as the children of God. And so verses 19 uh, begins that. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place. What's that dealing with? What's this all about? Well, it's dealing with the Jewish temple. Remember, the Jews' faith was based around this building, the temple, and they would go on pilgrimage, pilgrimages there and that's where sacrifices took place and the the temple in that day jerusalem all the economy and everything revolved around the tourism and and the religiosity and even a banking system within the temple it was so important but you know what the temple was all about it was all about divisions it was all about separation it was all about barriers there was a a court of the women a court of the gentiles and a A holy place where only the priest could go and the most holy place. The holy of holies. If you've been in church any time at all, you know that only the high priest, the one in charge for that year, could go and then only once a year on the day of Yom Kippur. And so we, we think about how That was separated by a curtain. Thick curtain, thick as any phone book. Remember those phone books in those days? Anyone you've ever seen, 60 feet high, 40 feet wide, five to six inches thick. You couldn't hear anything in there. They'd tie a rope around the high priest's leg just in case something happened to him while he was in there because it was so holy. They couldn't go in that place and something happened. They had to pull him out, you know. No one could go where God was. In the holy of holies until Jesus came. And you know what happened. On the cross, that temple curtain tore from top to bottom and gave us access to God the Father through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. And now we can go boldly to the throne of grace. And now everyone, you don't have to go through a, a preacher or a priest or anyone else. You can go directly to the Lord Himself. So why do I go to church? Because I want to be, first on your outline, I want to be close to the Lord. You see what it says in verse 22? Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water, it's a brand new day. Jesus' blood has covered our guilt, our shame, our sin. And our outward things, and this, some people believe that's representing baptism, have been washed away. It doesn't have to necessarily be baptism. It's just all of what's going on in, in our outer world has been cleaned too. We've got a clean slate with Jesus Christ. And I want to remain there, don't you? Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Ever walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. One day Jesus is going to call my name as the days go by. I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. Here in verse 22, it says we can go right into the presence of God. I want to stay close. You know what, though? I, I tend to slide. Do you? I, I backslide. I'm a backsliding Baptist at times. You? You think about how you slip away? And, and I need to be filled up every week that's why we come to this place. We look at it like a, a filling station. I, I was reading this week about a, um, a movie studio who bought a, a, a prop, a, a gas station, out in the middle of the desert, and they hired a security guard to watch it, and people kept pull, pulling in there, and the security guard would come out and say, this is not a gas station, and it's a, it's a prop for a movie, and, they, and they'd get mad, and they'd go on. So after a while, he got tired of that, and so he, he said, how... Uh, You want me to fill it up? (laughs) And he started putting in uh, the the gas thing into their their cars. They came in empty, and they left empty too. They said, How much do we owe you? Oh, it's free. It's free. But they left empty. We come to this place. Sometimes we're empty. We need filling up, encouragement, some help. We'll look next, some hope. We don't want to leave this place empty, but we can. If all we do is come in and, and just sit and soak for a little bit and, and don't participate and don't enjoy and don't pour out too. Sometimes we come to this place and we think, well, I didn't get much out of that because the preaching wasn't so great or the music was a little off today. And no, no offense, it wasn't. It was great. But we we think about all of those kind of things and and we never consider what, what did I give today? Not what did I get, but how did I pour myself out? How did I participate today? How did I sing praises to the King of Kings? How did I motivate and encourage one another? I'm getting to the rest of the They're filling the blanks here, so let's just go to number two now as we think about the reason I go to church is I I want to keep a firm grip on hope. Have you noticed everywhere else in life you get a beat down or beat up? Where else can you go where you can be encouraged and lifted up? and have hope that all of what we go through, all the, the sickness, and all the, the bankruptcy, and all the struggles that we have in life, have you realized that life is just one series of problems after another? Here the writer of Hebrews said, let us draw near to God, and then he said, let us hold firm. That word, or hold firm there, is a nautical term. It, it means to steer the ship. It's It's to be promise-driven. Look at it again with me. In verse 23, we see what the author is talking about. Let us hold tightly or hold firmly or keep a strong grip, a firm grip without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Is your life promise driven because you're holding firm to the hope you have in Jesus Christ? You think about that word drive. It means means to control or, or direct or to guide. You think? As you think about driving a car, you control it or you guide it down the road. You direct it. Down the road. As you think about driving a nail, you, you guide it or direct it, control it into that board. As you think about driving a golf ball, well, sometimes you can drive and correct it down the fairway. That's the objective. So, what is your life driven by? The promise of hope, the promise of redemption, the, the promise of God's presence. In your life? Or is it driven by despair and fear? Those are other options, other options that lead us toward a a path that's not full of life and hope. Remember what biblical hope is? Biblical hope is not wishful thinking like worldly hope is. Biblical hope is a confident assurance that God can be trusted to keep His promise. So whatever you go through, whatever trouble, whatever struggle, whatever heartache, whatever depression, whatever, there's hope. Because God has said he he won't allow anything to happen in this world that he's not intending to redeem. That the end of the book says he wins. That at the end of time, if you're a part of the family of God, the greatest privilege in life, then you will be with him, a place that he has prepared for you. It's called heaven. And we get glimpses of that all the time, don't we? We get glimpses of that in church all the time, just this week, somebody, somebody brought me a glimpse of that. They brought me a buttermilk pie. Oh, man, I was tasting that, and I was thinking, and this has got to be what heaven's going to be like. Every meal buttermilk pie never grows old. We get glimpses of that in other regards other than food and that kind of stuff, don't we? You know, the clearest glimpse I get is with you church. The joy that we experience. I, I want to share with you. Can we go back to those verses in Psalm uh, 16 and 11? You make known to me the path of life. You, in your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. I want to stay close to the Lord in that regard. I, I want to continue to have a firm grasp on that hope that we have in him, and James uh, 4 says it this way, Submit yourselves uh, to God, then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And where do we experience that more than any other place? It's not a building, but it's with God's people. And we gather regularly in this, this place. Now, I know you, you think, well, I can experience the presence of God other places than I have. I've experienced it just like you in the mountains or on the golf course or, or fishing and all those places, but that's not the focus of those places. When we come to this place, our worship team is intending to focus you on the Lord and His redemption and the cross and what He's done for you, done for us, and we celebrate that together. Tony Evans, a great preacher in Dallas, he says, he hears all the time, I I can be a Christian without going to church. And that's true. Because we're not saved by coming to this place or any place or any event. We know that we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. But, you can also be married and never go home. And... Try that and see how the relationship suffers. See if that will work for you. So coming to this place is a reminder or gathering not just in this place but wherever God's people are. Gathering together is helping us, always helping us to hold on to the hope we have. In Jesus. We need each other. That's why number three is this. The last let us in this passage is. Let us consider how we may spur one another on or stir one another up or, or motivate one another. I go to church because I, I want to motivate and encourage others too. How we may stir one I, I love that image of, of spurring one another on. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know. You can get a horse to go in the direction you want them to go with the reins. But if you really want to go, you want to do more than just kind of mope around. You want to start to gallop and start to run and start to move, go somewhere. you got to spur that horse. And you, we, we sometimes need that, don't we? I think about church. We need one another to motivate us. Sometimes we just need a good swift kick in the pants, don't we? A reminder of who we are in Christ and that the direction we're going is not the direction that God wants us to go. And we do that for one another. We do that in families. We do that if we really care about other folks, and this is the family of God. So we, we've got to look at it that way. And then we encourage one another. We bring courage. Another way to look at that is we help fortify other people's faith. We can face the problems. That's the great benefit of gathering corporately together. We face the problems of life and we fulfill the mission that God has given us. And and we find our place to make a difference in this world because we're focused together on the Lord. So here's the question. Who are you motivating and encouraging? Because our world still needs it. We still need to encourage one another. And I don't know another place on earth that people can experience the grace of God than among God's people. We're not just consumers. We're contributors. We're not just receivers. We're dispensers of the grace of God. That's the task he's given us as his ambassadors. You think about it this way, and I'll close with this illustration. You've been camping. It's a simple illustration. I've used it maybe even here. I can't remember. I hope you can. People hold on to these stories sometimes. Think about going camping, and you've got a a campfire, and you've put all your coals together, all those pieces of wood together, and, and they're burning brightly. And then you take one of those pieces of wood or one of those coals out of that fire that's burning. What's it do? It goes out eventually, doesn't it? So you could take that same piece of coal or that same piece of wood and you put it back in that fire, and it catches fire again. That's what we do together. We burn off of one another as the Holy Spirit falls down upon us and empowers us to live for Jesus. We need one another. And this passage in Hebrews reminds us of that, that the day is approaching. The day of Christ's return is approaching. Now, it hasn't in 2,000 years since this has been written. So does that mean it's not going to happen anytime? Absolutely not. Remember what Peter says? A day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. It might be tomorrow. It might be the day after tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not going to predict that. But I know he's coming back. And when he comes back, I want to be found faithful to his family. That's why I go to church. And why do you? Today I want to give you an opportunity to to connect not just to this local body of believers but to the Lord himself, the one who died for his church. And if you've never done that, if you've never come into a personal relationship with him and experienced being part of his family, then just know that more than anything else on earth, that's that's the only thing that's going to last. The people of God are the only thing that's going to make it out of here. You recognize that and realize that and you want to be a part of that family and you can just by saying, Lord, I need you. I admit, I've blown it on my own. I admit I'm a sinner. And you say to him, Lord, I believe you died on that cross. You shed your precious blood for the forgiveness of my sin. And today I choose. I choose to follow you. And give myself to you. And I want to I want to be a part of your family, of faith. I want to be a part of your bride, of your body, the church. So let's pray together as we consider those things. Lord, help us think about these things and reflect on these things and pay attention, Lord, to these things, how we may spur one another on, motivate one another, encourage one another, Lord I pray right now that if there's somebody in this place who doesn't know you not your child even though they're part of the human race they're not a part of the family of God until they say yes to you that today would be a day the day of salvation for them And Lord I pray for those of us who've done that who are part of your family that to show up at family gatherings every chance we get, but not just show up, participate. Encourage. Thank you, Lord, for the people who are in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for the people who are watching online. Thank you, Lord, that the body of believers is bigger than the First Baptist Church of Denver City. Lord, thank you for creating us to be a part of your family. now, Lord, help us choose you. Choose to follow you for the first time or choose to be faithful to you for all time. In your holy name we pray, Jesus.